You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Holy shit. You are now listening to episode 100 of Fly on the Call. I already got most of my gushing out yesterday in episode 99, but I'm so stoked to be hitting this huge milestone and continue to bring you great episodes. And today I'm talking to the one and only Jiraiya. He just recently released his EP, A Beginner's Guide to Faking Your Death, which compiles most of the singles he's released in the last year, as well as some great bonus stuff. You know, today we're talking about the process of releasing the singles, his process of building a fan base, and packing everything into a cohesive EP. And we're talking his world building, which is extensive and theatrical and over the top. We're talking his collaboration and learning to allow others to help and allow others to get things done and allow others to share in your artistic vision. We're talking about his experience with vocal lessons, which is super unique and also has been super helpful in his performance. And finally, we're talking about his composing of the brand new Fly in the Call theme song, which you are about to hear right now. When you reached out about coming back on the pod, you said it would be cool to do a one-year-later type interview. So uh, I guess the obvious question is how things changed for you in the last year. Ah, wow. How have things changed in the last year? I mean, it'd almost be easier to to say what hasn't changed. and It it feels like everything is different. But um, the main things being, I guess, that more people listen to our music now that's a big one for sure definitely i think the the closer we get to um being the idea of like doing music i guess full time and having that be a thing i think the closer we get to that being like a realistic possibility the more like our entire kind of mindset around things change and i remember like very distinctly um, around the time when we did the first one, that that was almost, you know, it was always a goal, but it never was within, I guess, the realm of like what's immediately in front of us. So like that, I think, informed a lot of very different decisions, you know, where you're doing different types of things, you're kind of planning long-term and still planning long-term. But I think like you know, the attitude changes a little bit when you're like, okay, how can I like make this happen? Like, you know, in the immediate future, which is kind of crazy, you know? (laughs) For sure. (laughs) What was like one of those milestones for you that kind of like made you realize that it was possible? Um, definitely releasing, um, Flight of the Crows was, was a big one because I mean, part of it being just how many people, like listen to it and how many people enjoyed it because I think that was a song where I was the most unsure about it like sonically and whether or not people would be into it and especially following Debt Collector which I think was such a big jump for us as far as you know just everything like everything kind of changed with that song and it kind of felt almost like it could be a fluke you know like like when you like compare it and you're like, Oh no, something like that's cool. But can we do that again? Is this going to be like, are we going to peak here? So seeing it like, you know, like 
astronomically just like fly off from there with the next song I think like that kind of solidified in, in our minds that like this is we're on like a trajectory I guess you know we're not just taking a bunch of lucky shots so I think once you kind of see it as like an arc you're like oh this art goes somewhere yeah and I think it's like really interesting kind of like how you were saying how like you're almost looking at things more short term now than long term um I feel like that's also makes sense with the way like you've been like releasing you know singles kind of piecemeal and then building them together as like the cohesive release of beginner's guide to faking your death um can you talk a little bit about like i guess just that that strategy and like kind of how it's affected uh the way you do things yeah for sure um i definitely it's really funny because i another you know another thing i guess with the last time we talked is i i remember at the time kind of piecing together you know a lot of parts of this plan where i was like okay i think we're gonna try and like do the single thing and we're gonna you know push things out and keep building on top of that building momentum and we're gonna put off doing like a big release especially with the whole pandemic situation and i it's funny i think being on the other end of it now and getting to talk about like you know how did that go and you know i think the idea with the with that strategy was always that there will be a big record, there will be, you know, a big moment that we're trying to build to. And I, you know, for lack of a better word, like don't want it to be wasted, which wasted is like not the right word, because I would be happy to release like a, a record I'm happy with regardless. But you know, the entire plan, I think with like 2020 and, and up till this point in 2021, has been like one long campaign to just create the circumstances to drop a record that, you know, really, really makes some moves, I guess. And that record still hasn't happened. I mean, even the EP is kind of part of that plan. But, um, you know, the idea was basically to just kind of be on people's minds as much as possible and just be really obnoxious and unavoidable for a very long period of time and you know i think one that it seems like it, it kind of was successful and to some extent that you know that is kind of the, the feedback i've gotten where people have been like yeah i checked you out because i literally just could not stop seeing you and i was like fine <laughs> i'm like fine i'll see what's up and also i think what i'm realizing now is we've kind of reached at least for me, and I think for, for everybody involved, the the end of how long it's sustainable to do things like that, at least for us, because it's been a lot of like super fast, like turnarounds, a lot of high pressure, like high velocity, working on things up until the last minute and trying to keep this constant schedule. And, you know, there was a big break before it last summer, before we released Split and really jumped into it. And I think we're kind of jumping into another big break where I don't know, I, I don't know if there's going to be another, you know, we're going to, I don't know if we're going to spend the rest of the year doing singles every month and a half. Like that's definitely, I think we're in need of a, a little space, a little step back, you know? For sure. Yeah. I, I feel like it makes so much sense, like the, the singles release schedule and why that's like so effective, but like, I love the the point that we're at now where it's like I can enjoy the EP as an EP because I find myself like returning to it so much more than I do like my playlist that had each of the singles together. 
Yeah, that also is another thing. I think, you know, when you, and this has happened to me a lot of times with artists where they'll go, oh, every time we release a single, it gets bigger and bigger and people love it. And it's like just as popular as when we drop a record. So we're going to just drop like 20 singles in a row. And you, I feel like you become kind of numb to it because then you reach a point, I think, where the listeners are always focused on like the last thing that was released and it can become very easy to forget about like eight singles ago or like nine singles ago. So, and you know, unless you have a playlist at all of them. So I think definitely there have to be breaks in there where you're like, okay, here's a collection of songs. Like here's what we've been doing. You might, you might've heard all of them. You might've heard most of them, but this is just for you to enjoy it all as like one thing, you know, like, Hey, remember that song, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And what, what made now kind of like the right time for you to kind of like mark the end of that era? Um, honestly, I think it was, um, it was always going to be something somewhere around now just because of, um, just what the material was, you know, a lot of it was prepared at the beginning of the pandemic. A lot of it was related to, how I was feeling and, you know, creatively was pouring a lot into that. And I think we reached the point where we were finally like, yeah, this feels like enough things to put together in one little package and have it feel like something substantial and not like, you know, I'm just like remarketing our old songs for streams, you know? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of like a lot of the, uh, sort of like last minute, like finishing stuff up, you know, and then like getting it right out. But I feel like the EP also kind of like flows so well that I can't believe that wasn't written like a traditional album in a way. How is it? How is like the writing process overall and like kind of fitting everything together? Um, oh, that's a really, that was a good observation. <laughs> You're really good at this, you know? Thank I, you. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I mean, so even, even when I'm not writing something as a record you know which i usually am this time around that wasn't the case but um i think even then on a grander scale everything is kind of connected i'm still very much living in that world the entire time the record is happening so you know that's another thing i've been living in the world of this ep since like the end of 2019 and everything i've written has more or less centered around like a thing, you know, an environment and like a, a story. So I think it kind of naturally sort of all, all melts together because it's coming from the same place. Even if I'm not sitting down and being like, there's going to be this song and then this song, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you were kind of like, just talking about kind of like the, the world building that you do. And obviously like, you know, in addition to the music, you have the really, you know, unique graphic style to kind of tie things together through the videos and the merch and stuff like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of like the fusing of those two passions and like the, the benefits that you've seen from it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and I think that that kind of ties into the last, you know, answer I gave you just now, which is that it's all kind of coming from one place, you know, it's all you know, in just in the grander scheme, being inspired by the same kind of like mindset and same sort of, I guess, like creative drive, you know, like it doesn't feel like I'm doing, I mean, it does feel like I'm doing a million things at once, but oftentimes it feels like many small parts of a larger thing. And that's, that's very much how the graphics feel. And as far as like how that's benefited it, you know, I think it feels 
it feels more cohesive. It feels like it's one body of work. You know, I, I have a big problem <laughs> with like delegating things to other people because a lot of times I just really want it to like feel cohesive and feel like it was made by one person, which a lot of times <laughs> means it just has to be made by one person. Uh, and also saves us a lot of money. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> totally fair. Yeah, and I feel like it also... Uh, it seems like you're kind of starting to get, you know, like these different like areas of your fan base where it's like, there's people who found you through the videos. There's people who found you through, you know, the traditional kind of like DIY realm. Can you kind of like talk about how you've like developed that and kind of keeping those various sides of uh, your fan base, like satisfied in a way? That's such a good question. (laughs) Um, And I've definitely thought about that um, because you're totally right. I think there's been, this weird thing where we got all these different audiences from different places like a big part of our audience is from like TikTok now and like all of like these various like sub communities and you know different like fandoms and enjoyers of different media and then there's like yeah like the DIY realm and the Spotify realm and social media and all that and you know I think it's something about it um hmm, how do i explain it so i guess okay we we had a bit of a stretch last year where we were very focused on like one thing which was i guess just like that the diy community and i guess that's just because that's where i felt like home you know that's where i felt welcome and that's where i felt i was in the right place i guess to like have a community at all which is awesome and I think eventually you kind of reach a point where you're like man I guess eventually like other people also have to find their music you know I mean unless like we just become Yeah. And I mean, the way you uh, keep saying we, it sounds like, you know, you and Cole are even kind of like stronger collaborators than you were the last time we spoke. And I mean, I, know, I think your team's like expanded a bit since then as well. Can I, you talk a little about just kind of like, you know, collaboration as a whole and like how, you know, your relationships uh, within the the backside of the band have changed? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're totally right. Definitely a much closer collaborator with Cole than I was, you know, even a year ago, which is, you know, crazy. Cause I think I was telling you the same thing last time, you know, that we'd kind of become a lot closer in our, in our working relationship. And that's just continued to go on. You know, I think as both of us continue improving and continuing to find new realms to like express ourselves, especially Cole, you know, like the way he's been improving and really like honing in on his craft has just been, amazing and it it just it becomes more expansive that you know all the things we can do there was like a period of time where i was like man i feel like eventually we're gonna have to expand and like hire a band and and do all this stuff and i think as opposed to that we've just continued to on our own like really synergize and you know create something that's i guess bigger than like the sum of both of us which has been really important 
And in a team aspect, you know, we have Jer now, who I love, um, our manager, who, you know, that I think just having Jer on the team has been such a big lesson to me in, you know, collaboration, you know, which I think, you know, you might not expect, I guess, because like, you know, a manager is like kind of, you know, doing a lot of stuff like on your behalf and, you know, managing and stuff like that. But it really is like, you know, a lot like collaborating with Cole, you know, and that I still, you know, and something I've realized, because I was, there was a lot of time where we were trying to figure out like the relationship and like what things are going to be done by who and how are we going to go about it. And I kind of realized that I, as far as cohesion, right, like I was talking about, I really enjoy being, I guess, the the delegator in, in a sense and being like the, how do I explain this? Like leading a vision, I guess, like there's a singular vision, but being able to trust other people to carry out that vision with you and sometimes for you or on your behalf. And Jared has been great with that and helping me figure out like, you know, what stuff, I can't do everything. So like, what stuff do I want to do? How do I want the other stuff to be done by other people? And that's been really great because now I, I have a more clear idea of like what I want going forward, especially as we continue to expand the team, which is definitely, you know, the move right now, trying to build out the, the team and see who is going to help us uh, make this thing keep going further. Who's going to assist you in the world domination? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and last time we spoke, um, you were talking about like, you know, big things you had planned for, you know, the return of live shows. Um, I know your first show back was kind of like your biggest ever by, I think you said like three times or more than that. How did that go? How does it feel to be back? Uh, (laughs) It feels so good. I mean, I forgot how much I missed playing shows until we were going to play one. And, you know, it's crazy. It doesn't even feel like a comeback. I mean, it feels like an entirely new, like, new realm that we're in. You know, we've never performed as we are right now. And we're an entirely different band than we were before. I'm an entirely different musician. And it's an entirely different world that we're playing, too. You know, it's just not the same. So it almost feels like this like brand new fresh thing. Like I, when we played that show, our first show back in Philly, it felt like the first show we've ever played. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense for sure. <laughs> and, and we kind of got, you know, a tease of the, the live experience with the uh, live from the Faraday cage versions on uh, beginner's guide to faking your death. Uh, can you talk a little about like those and how those kind of came together? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really funny cuz those I guess like aren't you know like really live, you know, but it was kind of this um this piece of almost fiction, I guess, within the world of the entire thing, which is like my like fun artistic way of saying that we lied and it was pre-recorded. But like I I really enjoyed having this bit, you know, like within the record at the center of it where you get to just like re-explore some of the old songs in in a new context. Cause I knew we wanted to do something with those songs and I just could not figure out like where you take a song, like whose eyes in any way or to take for granted because they, they're so like, I think solid in what they are and what they want to be. 
So I didn't want to do like a gimmicky, like let's like genre switch it and do like a whole different thing. So I, you know, we started to kind of imagine it as almost a different band or like, you know, you're seeing a band, you know, play these songs in like a little club or something or in a little venue. Um, and the Faraday cage is like the name for um, Cole's studio that he works out of. And that I think kind of became part of the lore, you know, and turned into this almost like fictitious place where, you know, you go and you see some music and it's really fun and cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely excited that uh, Whose Eyes in Anyway came back because I feel like that, that was one of my favorites off the, the original album. And like, I'm excited for the, the newer Jiraiya fans to, you know, dig into it as well. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm so excited for that. You know, there's there's so many new people and so many old songs. So it's really fun seeing seeing the crossover. Yeah, and I mean Pressure Bomb 3 was a very pleasant surprise. And uh, can you tell me about kind of like revisiting that song not not once but twice and kind of like what keeps you coming back and why why the newest version is your favorite? Yeah. So Pressure Bomb 3. Pressure Bomb 3, <laughs> the reason that that came about at all is because, you know, just like the other two songs, I wanted to revisit Pressure Bomb. It was originally going to be a deal where um, we do three acoustic versions. You know, we do all the, the To Mend the Sun, like, s- singles from there and take that and do a little acoustic set in the middle of this EP. And we we did do that. We did a version of Pressure Bomb where it was like, you know, piano, drums, and, and I think some bass like the others. And, you know, it just didn't sound like anything. You know, it sounded like Pressure Bomb if like it just wasn't as good. <laughs> so minus the pressure. <laughs> minus the pressure. Low pressure, Pressure Bomb. It, it wasn't fun, you know, and I remember talking to Cole about it because that was like the plan from the beginning, you know, this whole acoustic set. And I was like, I don't know if there's a good way for us to strip this back. I think we might just have to push it further. And, you know, once I got into the mindset of like, maybe because pressure room is already a lot, you know, it's like a very, it's a very like high octane song. There's like a ton going on. So I wasn't entirely sure if we could push it further, which is why that wasn't the initial approach. But once I got into that mindset and like once Cole got involved and got on board, we were like, yo, yeah, we can push this like a lot further. And I think that would really be in the nature of like what Pressure Bomb was in the beginning. You know, I don't think it would want to be limited and and cut down to something else. So it's made it bigger. Nice. Yeah, I feel like that also kind of ties in with something you said in one of your Instagram Q&As where someone asked about like your your writing process and you said, you know, essentially you are trying to write your favorite song on any given day. And I'd love to hear kind of a little bit more about that approach. Yeah, the the writing your favorite song thing. I that's one of my favorite favorite approaches cuz it's very you know, it's, I think it's always going to be connected to like your identity as a music enjoyer, as well as as a musician. And I never want to make music that's just me being a musician, because I think that's just boring. Like, you know, I think like, musicians just like to make music, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to make stuff that purely satisfies like a creative 
need to make things. I think more than anything, I want it to be for me as a listener. And what stuff do I actually want to sit down and hear? What songs do I wish existed that don't exist? You know, like I'm, I'm always getting songs stuck in my head that don't exist. And I'll be like, oh, what song is this? And I'll be like, oh, it's not... It's not a song, but I want to listen to it. So it's like, I think it's important to like satisfy, satisfy like both of those parts, you know, of yourself as a creative. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, and I'm curious how that kind of like ties in like with, you know, like you did the the Glass Speech cover for their, uh, you know, re-release of the first Glass Speech album or the the spot on the, the new Telecom single, which I feel like, your traditional style would have fit so well with them but like I love what you did and like having that freshness even more like how do you kind of approach uh that side of things oh yeah like collaborations and stuff collaborations are fun you know I, I I especially loved doing doing that glass speech cover because um it's a hard song to cover I remember well first of all it's one of my favorite songs of all time so when um when william reached out to me about you know doing one of the songs they're like hey we're gonna get a bunch of artists it's gonna be cool you know let us know if there's any song you feel particularly partial to and i was like we're doing classic jay dies it has i have to (laughs) um and you know luckily like i think nobody else had had you know gravitated toward that one as their first choice yet so we were in it which is insane like that's the that's like the ultimate i feel like (laughs) i know but i can see why you know it's a it's a very solid song and it has so much footing and it's like how you know how much do you do with that can you take that further do you pull it back you know i think it's it's the kind of the same thing with like the pressure bomb situation like what do you do with a song like that and i think the approach we took was to just tear it down entirely they sent us the stems and i don't think we used any of them i think like me and cole sat down in a room and just went like moment by moment in the song and being like what are we gonna create here what's this gonna be and we just remade classic jay dies and goes to hell um and i think that was a really fun way to do it because we felt kind of unlimited you know they just they gave us this this framework this like guideline to make a song and you know we just had got to have a lot of fun with it and emphasize and and highlight all of our favorite moments in the song and and just do something that felt like like a marriage of glass beach and jiraiya which is fun i love that (laughs) nice and i mean i guess kind of similarly but also opposite uh, I'm curious about how you approached uh, writing the new Fly on the Call theme song, which people will have heard at this point. <laughs> Whoa! Oh my god! Yeah, Fly on the Call theme song. That was so much fun. I I don't ever really get to do stuff like that where it's like make a song for this, but it felt a lot like writing stuff for like the albums because it's a similar similar approach. But um, I think with that, it was like, I just wanted to make something that'd be fun. You know, it's again, it's like the thing is like, what would I enjoy as a listener? I, I listen to this podcast, you know, I love it. And I, the little song, the little jingle that's stuck in my head, you know, I listen, I'm like, fly on the cross. <laughs> I was like, man, well, first of all, I have to imagine it without that song now. And then I have to imagine like, what would I 
what would I want to hear? Like, I guess in its place, like if I was like, whoa, brand new episode, new song, you know, what would make for like a great experience going into it? So I think I sent you two versions, right? You know, I, there was that a sort of like jazzier version where I was like, oh, this is like a, you know, like late night show type of thing. You know, we're jumping into it. You have a really cool artist on. There's a, there's applause, you know, like trying to set the scene. <laughs> and then there is this more kind of like high energy, like almost ska, but not really type of thing. And that I thought would kind of approach it a different way where you're, you come at, you come into the, to the podcast and you're like, whoa, this is a, this is a fun time. You know, we're, we're in for, in for a great, great little sit down. It's a nice, like bright, bright environment we're creating. And, you know, both of those have their merits. You know, I'm super glad you ended up choosing the, the high energy one though. I, that was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, you know, it's just like, man, what do I want to listen to? Yeah, I would have had to work on my radio voice a little bit more for the for the slower one. <laughs> <laughs> this one's more like, fuck yeah, I'm finding my new favorite band. <laughs> exactly. And then um, another thing that I saw in one of your uh, recent Instagram Q&As was um, that you'd been taking vocal lessons for like the last two years or so. And I would love to hear about how you kind of like decided to do that and like what your experience has been with it. Yeah. So what a, what a story that is. Um, my vocal teacher, Karen, who I love, she's like the, the nicest old lady ever. Um, and we, we met because I was, I was on campus at school and I, we had this little chapel where I would go in and there's like this piano. So on like pretty much any time I had free time, like if I was around, I would just go and sit on that piano and sing songs and, and play and people, you know, could hear me from like, <laughs> probably like half the campus really is. It's probably pretty loud, honestly. I remember like one time somebody saying it like reverberated through the pipes into their classroom, <laughs> like while they're having class, which is really funny. But um, eventually I, I was in there playing and I think she just like ran into me. Like she was coming in, she worked at the school and did some things and we just bumped into each other. And she was like, you know, like, hey, you know, I, I like your voice. Is there any chance you'd like be interested in doing vocal lessons at all? Because um, I'm a vocal teacher. And I was like, oh my God, that'd be perfect. I've been looking for a vocal teacher. I just don't know if I could like afford it. So basically she offered to um, give me vocal lessons in exchange for like just anything, you know, just like to help with something. I, I think initially we were like, oh, I can do like some illustration work for you. She was like, yeah, we're going to we're going to barter system this, you know, because I really want to teach you. And I really feel like we can pull a lot out of your voice. So that ended up happening. We scheduled our first lesson and instantly like my entire approach to singing changed. You know, she has this very kind of holistic approach to it where, you know, the singing is such a small part of it, you know, because getting your voice to do the things you want involves so much thought and realizing one, what exactly is it that you want your voice to do? What sounds are you trying to make and why? And what's the, the meaning behind them? Because all of that stuff is important. And then also like, how is your body going to be best served? And like, how's your body gonna do that? You know, it's not, it, it doesn't all just like happen in your, 
in your mouth or in your in your breath you know it's really like a full body experience to, to sing and create sound and you know she really helped me to to think of like you know my body as an instrument at rather than like you know my vocal cords as like this singular tool you know and that I'm literally an entirely different vocalist than I was before then you know and that's that's opened up possibilities you know I wouldn't be able to write the the songs that we've released if I didn't have the confidence to sing them yeah well well, it's like one of the like moments that stands out to you about like kind of using that new technique um a big one was um I want to say Flight of the Crows. I mean, that's a song where there are two versions. There is this initial demo that we originally like released on some tapes like last summer, I think, which is like there's a whole whole story there. But, you know, there is this other version of the song that we released. And I remember coming back to it later when we were getting closer to like maybe doing an EP. And I was like, man, I think I could do that so much better. And I remember bringing the song to Karen and she kind of walked me through like each moment of it and like, how do we elevate this? How do we get your, you know, get your voice to, to project and do the things that you want it to do. And we really tore it apart. We spent like, like weeks just coming back to this song and, and trying to, to shape it up into, into a great piece or, you know, I guess like the piece was done, but trying to shape it up into a good performance. And I remember when I finally sat down to record it again and hearing it and not even hearing it, just feeling it. I was like, wow, like this feels like a different song. It feels like it's been embedded in me. You know, it's like in, in my blood now. And that I think is what makes for a really good performance. Nice. That's awesome. (laughs) And then I guess, you know, the drill, but uh, I wrap up every episode by asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about and uh, would love to hear what's on your mind lately. Piece of advice thing I've been thinking about. Um, Man, I've been thinking about a lot of things. I wish I could remember off the top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) I've been thinking so much, but um. Yeah, I mean, I think if I had to give any kind of advice or or notes to myself going into the past, I'd probably just say, like, just just stick with what you're doing. You know, I I was thinking about this the other day about um, finding the right place for yourself and trying to find like where especially in the, in the creative field. I think a lot of, a lot of problems or a problem that a lot of creatives I know run into very early on is like, you create this thing and you're like, why, how do I convince anybody to care about the thing I'm doing? And there's a million people in the world doing something that's probably better or more ambitious or, you know, do with more money. And that was a big thing for me, especially making just such weird music, you know, it's very hard to find a lane that you fit in. And I think the advice I'd give is to just keep looking for it, put a lot more effort into finding that lane and, you know, maybe creating it if you need to, it might not be there, but I think putting just as much, if not more effort into finding that space, you know, as you are, with making the thing itself because you know you can spend forever 
making your thing and, and making it the, the coolest possible song or, or piece or video. But, you know, if you don't put that kind of intentionality and that kind of work into finding the right place for it, then, you know, it's going to be really hard to, to grow from there and to, to push it to where you want it to be. For sure. Yeah. That, that really speaks to me, especially like now that I'm kind of returning to the podcast after like the longest break I've had in the almost two years that it's been a thing. Yeah. That really, that resonates with me a lot for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. I think it's all, it's all a process. It's all an art. You gotta think about all the parts, you know, cause they're all extensions of like you and like what you do. For sure. And I mean, is there anything we haven't hit on that you've been, you know, really itching to get out there? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I'm excited for the shows that are coming up. That's going to be great. And um, yeah, I think just stay tuned. We're working on the second LP right now. And it is going to be a time. (laughs) And that is a wrap on episode 100. Thank you so much for being along for the journey. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for taking a part in Flying the Call and believing in the music that I believe in. And thank you so much for Drya for, you know, not just taking the time to talk, not just killing it with his music, but also for really knocking it out of the park with this brand new theme song. Which I'm super stoked to, you know, have you continue hearing for the next however many episodes. Like I said yesterday, Flying the Call is not going anywhere. I'm going to continue to bring you great interviews with even better bands. Find the Calls brought to you, as always, by Sound Talent Media. Thank you to the Alternative Rob Tim Rose Show, to Michaela Jane for the artwork, and to Jariah for the new theme song. You can always follow Find the Call on Twitter and Instagram at Find the Call Pod, and feel free to reach out to me at any time at findthecallpod at gmail.com. And I think that's about it. I'm so stoked to hit this milestone, and I can't wait to catch you next Thursday. I think I'm going to be switching my episodes to Thursdays, so check back next Thursday for another interview I'm really excited about. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.